So how long have you lived in Cornwall? I've lived here 16 years, as you can tell from the accent. <laughs> uh, but you're from Minnesota originally? I'm or? originally from New York City. Uh -huh. I lived in Minnesota, which is up on the Canadian border, for 40 long winters. I was going to say, <laughs> endless winters. Oh and Total. tell me about the bus driving. Because the, the, you know what novelists are like? We're like vampires. We're always trying to find <laughs> new things for our characters to do for a living. Um, had you an experience of being a bus driver yourself? No, but I did drive cab for five years. Oh, okay. And I thought about applying to drive bus. Uh, it was at the point where women, women were just beginning to drive bus for the city. And I looked at the hours and thought, oh, no, I can't do it. <laughs> so I continued to drive cab. But I, um, I knew some people who drove bus. I was close enough to it. Uh-huh. Well, I, I can't wait to share you with everyone else. Please come up on the stage so we can all see you. <laughs> Ellen Hawley, everyone. We lay in the dark for some time before either of us felt the need to say much. I wondered how we'd get to this point, I said eventually. There's confidence for you. I was wondering if. I was getting all rosy again, and I kissed her shoulder, not because I wanted to make love again right away, but because it was a language we could speak now. She ran a hand over my hair, but partway through the gesture, it changed so that she palmed my skull as if she wanted to keep me from turning away. I have to tell you, I wasn't sure we should do this, she said. Her voice was sober, and it struck me as dangerous. I'm still not sure. My brain said it's too late, but the words stayed shut up inside. I looked at her. Round face, brown eyes, thread of hair falling crossways across her forehead. All the bits and pieces exactly the same as they'd been before, but all of them changed somehow, all the energy gone out of them. She moved her hand off my skull, and I felt as cold without it as if she'd left me bald. I owe you an explanation, she said. You do? Of what's going on? You remember Megan. More statement than question. Megan. Who the hell was Megan? From the coffee house. Right, right, the dance floor with the couple I tried not to stare at doing the dips and twirls beside us. Your ex? She's not my ex. She's not my goddamn anything. I didn't go out with her long enough to make her my ex. I barely know the woman. Her anger swept over us like a gust of wind, and then it blew itself out, leaving us becalmed in a sea of incense. OK, Megan, yeah, I remember her. She rolled under her back as, and said she was sorry. She didn't say what for, but I took it to mean she wasn't mad at me, and even though I'd sort of known that, I still felt better. There's nothing to be sorry for, I said. She got out of bed and lit a new stick of incense. She was looking for something to do with herself, and I could see that. But what struck me was how easy she seemed in the middle of her uneasiness about walking around naked. She came back to bed, but didn't crawl in beside me. She wrapped herself in the bedspread and pulled her knees up to her chin. I'm not sure I'm... She gave that up as a bad start. Let me tell you the story, and then you decide if you want to get into this mess. She looked sober and alone, and far more vulnerable, wrapped in her India print bedspread than she had naked. I would have touched her again, but I didn't feel I had the right anymore. Looking away from me, she went on. I went out with Megan exactly three times, she said. Or not exactly. It was twice, because at the end of the second date, I called it off. There was this, something weird about it, something I don't know, something off, something wrong. A couple of days after she ended it, she said, she's still looking away from me, Megan called her and wanted to talk. Or not wanted to talk, but needed to talk. Needed not just to talk, but to meet so they could talk. 
and Peg went. I had this kind of wounded animal thing about her, you know? I'd pull the thorn out of her paw and she'd go dancing on her way. And I was flattered, you know? I was fucking flattered. I was the person she'd turn to. I was, oh shit, I don't know what I was. I was a junior therapist is what I was, complete with the cereal box tops and the Dick Tracy decoder ring. She pinched one finger, watching it intently, reminding me of someone working a toothpaste tube, trying to squeeze a leftover quarter inch of toothpaste back inside. Then she caught herself and tucked her hands under the bedspread. What Megan needed to talk about, it turned out, was why Peg was the only person she'd ever be able to love, and whether or not she'd kill herself if Peg wouldn't come back to her, and why Peg should come back to her to keep them both from finding out. She didn't threaten it exactly, she talked about it as if killing herself was something outside of her, like, like rain, like hail, like, like a couch someone had pushed off a third floor window, something that might or might not land on her. <laughs> They'd met at a late night donut shop and they sat there for hours with Megan talking about what Peg meant in her life and Peg explaining why one day some other woman would make Megan 50 times happier than she could. You should have seen me, Peg said. I was so fucking patient with her I could just kick myself. Her hands had worked their way out of the bedspread and she was squeezing that toothpaste tube again. I mean, I was good and I kept thinking how good I was, sympathetic, non-judgmental. I remember telling her at one point that she had a lot to contribute to the world and it'd be too bad if that was lost. Then I thought, fuck, what do I say if she asks me what she has to contribute because I couldn't think of a thing. She curled her hands around each other to keep from pinching that finger. It must have been, I don't know, midnight, 1 a.m., 3. It was late. There was some guy at the back table arguing with the air and this other kind of mossy looking guy who hadn't washed his hair in six months. Stack of books on the table, probably reading up on UFOs or something. So we're sitting in Loser's Alley and I want to tell you I felt like part of the freak show. Here are two dykes talking about suicide and unrequited love. It was right out of the well of loneliness, only it was the low rent version. We looked away from each other. The incense was rising in a double line, curling up from the glowing tip like two different predictions of our future. No telling what they were or which one they sh we should choose, but they clearly separated at the moment they left the tip. Here's one possibility and over there is the other. <laughs> choose wisely. It wasn't midnight yet, but it felt later, as if no one was awake on, on our side of the planet. Just the two of us. Peg wrapped in indigo and off-white, me with both pillows behind my head, the covers pulled up to my shoulders. Peg finally left Megan sitting at the donut shop and drove home. It was so late that the lights at the intersection were flashing either red or yellow, stop or caution. She was grateful to have that part of her life behind her. Except, of course, that it wasn't behind her because Megan called, Megan sent letters, Megan followed her car. Peg couldn't even answer the phone like a normal person. If I wanted to reach her, I'd have to, ha I'd have to let it ring once, hang up, and then call back. I came home la last week and found all these chopped up flowers in front of the door. And I mean not just chopped, they were shredded. I don't know what the hell it's supposed to mean. I don't even know how she did it. Chewed them, ran them through the blender. I'm telling you, it's weird and it's scary. I pictured Megan. I still thought of her as Peg's ex and she was a flea. She was small with the unmuscled thinness of a woman who hadn't counted on her body for anything but looks or sex presumably since she got out of grade school. So that's what you're getting into, Peg said. I mean, I don't want to take things for granted if you want to keep seeing me. I want to keep seeing you. Her face didn't clear and I don't suppose mine did either. We might as well have been declaring war on a larger, better armed country. I haven't gone out with anyone since this started. 
I'm nervous about it. I said all the right things. It would be fine. Megan was nothing to worry about. We'd get through it together. Words like a lullaby. Sleep. There are no monsters. Sleep. The shades were down. We're cut off from the world, wrapped in lath and plaster and stucco, in double layers of glass and drawn shades, in darkness and incense. It would be all right. Everything would be all right. In the morning, we walked to the store and bought eggs, milk, real coffee, the Sunday paper, package of pineapple rolls. And we walked home through the cold with that romantic feeling you get when you're doing something that you're, you know you'll look back on later as an anniversary. Our first morning together, our first groceries, our first breakfast. They made us a couple. It had snowed the night before, just enough to resurface the snowbanks and leave a dusting on the sidewalks. And the sky was the brittle blue of a January cold spell. Sunlight bounced off the new snow, glittering and making Peg's eyes water so that she dabbed at them with the tips of her mitten to keep mittens to keep the tears from spilling over and freezing on her cheeks. I walked with my head bent forward, my eyes squinted across against the glare. What do you think, Peg said, ten below? Easily. You like winter? I just shifted the groceries from one arm to the other so I could warm the frozen set of fingers in my pocket. We were almost at a corner and I was looking forward to wrapping both sets of, both sets of fingers around a cup of, of brewed coffee. Grew up in Duluth, I've seen all the winter I'll ever need. I turned toward her to smile, inviting her to agree so we'd have one more thing we shared. Instead of agreeing, though, she yanked on my arm, pulling me backward, almost making me drop the, the groceries. Before the corner of a building cut off my view, I caught a glimpse of Megan planted in front of Peg's building and looking up at the window. I'm going to go talk to her, I said. She clutched my arm, the, the, the arm that I'd wrapped around the groceries. Don't do that. You'll make it worse. It's already worse. We balanced there for a long, slow couple of seconds. We can't spend our lives hiding around corners. What are you going to do? I don't know. Tell her, go talk to, talk to her. Tell her to go fuck herself. <laughs> I handed Peg the grocery bag, and she accepted it, neither one of us acknowledging that, we, that what we'd just done meant that I had something more in mind than talking, although I did, I suppose. When I got close enough to the corner to see around the building, Megan's arm was in the home stretch of hurling something at the window. I yelled, hey, you, and started running. On the sidewalk, ice lay under the snow, and my feet skated backward each time they pushed off so that I ran in slow motion, worried as much about falling as about catching her. Something splattered on the building. Egg, I thought, and that connected in my mind with the eggs in our grocery bag. I had an incoherent sense that she'd just thrown our breakfast, the one we hadn't made yet, the one with the brewed coffee that was going to make us a couple, all over the front of Peg's building. I yelled all the way down the sidewalk, and she turned and scuttled to her car, feet sliding as badly as mine were. I was close enough behind her to scale the snowbank and pound on her roof and kick her door and then pound on the trunk as she pulled past, yelling the whole time, even as she, sk she skidded out of reach. Thank you.